The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners audience regardless of sponsorship. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and this week our special guest is Michael Mish Shedlack simply known as Mish in the Internet, where he's become somewhat of a star, really uh, arguing very effectively uh, the deflation uh, argument, really talking about deflation and warning his, uh, his readers about the ravages of deflation and how you must be prepared for it. Mish makes a very, very good argument for deflation, for believing that that is a problem that we need to deal with. You're going to want to listen to Mish because uh, I think what he has to say is, is very, very important. Uh, perhaps uh, important in the sense that it's life-saving from a financial point of view. Before we get to Mish, we're going to talk to Chen Lin, a partner of mine, as well as Roger Wiegand. Uh, Chen Lin is the author of uh, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Uh, he's had a very, very enviable track record. He's going to tell you in just a moment a, a stock tip of his that he thinks is is going to make his uh, his readers a lot of money in the next few weeks. And then Roger Wiegand is going to tell us a little bit about a commodity that he's very, very bullish on right now. So let's go to Chen first. Hello, Chen. Hi, Jay. How are you? Well, I'm terrific. Um, Chen, you're, you've got a stock pick that you were telling me about earlier today. Tell our listeners what you like and why you like it. Yes, uh, my pick of the week, I should send out yesterday, was U.S. Steel and the symbol X. Uh, the, the, the story is, uh, actually, I was uh, looking at it since April, uh, the United States is about to impose a big sanction against China on the steel case. The total about 2.7 billion. Mm. This will be the largest uh, anti-dumping against China ever in the history of U.S.-China relationship. As we know, in the same thing happened in the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. That's protectionism is riding high, and Obama administration so far has been pretty pro-union. Yeah. So I think this will pass. 
So according to Wall Street Journal, the deadline for for recommending the this sanction is next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've been waiting this for like over a month now. I finally getting close enough. When this this sanction announced, there will be the big news. I mean, you know, all on CNBC, on CNN, everybody was talking about because the the, the share uh, of this uh, sanction and it's 2.7 billion. The biggest beneficial will be U.S. Steel. I mean, obviously, domestic, domestic, uh, you know, steel maker, and it's heavily shorted. Uh, someone just short 10 million shares. At just below twenty dollars, oh. so they are like a hundred million short. They're going to have to cover those shorts on that kind of news. Is that so? Is your strategy then, Chen, is to is to buy on the rumor and sell on the news? Is that what you're suggesting here? Exactly. Then you can, you know, once they got squeezed, I think it will spike much higher next week. Hopefully, by this time next week, we can take profit. So I Chen. recommended yesterday. I should a little bit lower, about the two or three dollar lower, and also recommend to buy the. Option. That's a June. Ah, okay. Uh, a little leverage there on the calls. Yeah, Ken, what yeah, is I mean, the uh, what is the symbol for U.S. Steel? It's X on the New York Stock Exchange. Simply X. You can't get X. more simple sim- simple than that on a symbol, can you? So you're looking for a one week profit here. What did you recommend it at yesterday, and what is it trading at today? Yeah, I recommend it at twenty seven point eight, and right now it's about thirty point six. I recommend to buy the the core option, which is a June 30 core option at 1.4. Right now, it's about 2.7. So you know, it's double, about double, but still, I think you know, has a long way to go because they just closed their private placement at 25 not long ago. So the balance sheet is good, and the shorts got trapped. I feel it at least on this stock. So you got a double on your call. Is that Already, what you're saying? But I'm holding. I'm holding for more. <laughs> okay. What do you think the upside is? Is uh, the potential upside is here? Because if you've got some people that are going to have to cover their shorts on this news, it could be quite explosive. Yeah, it could. I mean, it can be another ten dollar higher than. I, I, I'm just guessing. Depending on the general market. Sure. Uh, and the, but I think probably they will announce maybe later this week or mm-hmm. early next week. Mm-hmm. That will be a huge news, and then you sell on the news. Very very interesting, Chen. I want to thank you very much. Uh, folks, if you want to know and get in on Chen's picks right away when he does it, you'll have to subscribe to his newsletter, and I'll give you information as soon as we talk to Roger Wiegand. Roger, hello. Hi there, Jay. <clears throat> How are things in Michigan today? Oh, beautiful day today, sunny, oh. 65. It's beautiful today. Just like New York here. The birds are chirping, the flowers are out. Life is wonderful right now in the middle of what we or at least in the beginning stages of what a lot of people in this show are saying is is another great depression. Let's uh, let's hope those folks are wrong. Uh, Roger, you've got a, a commodity that you're really bullish on. Uh, tell us. Well, uh, we put uh, a share trade in our newsletter so a few weeks ago, USO, which is an ETF on the commodity crude oil. And oil had gotten so oversold that we felt that it was time to get aboard and do something and one of the ways that uh, investors and traders can do that without using futures, which are difficult yeah. uh, in, in the energy arena generally, natural gas and oil is hard to trade in futures and very expensive as far as margins. Uh, you can just buy the shares, uh, the, the symbol USO. Um, we, we got it when the oil was around 44. It's 59 today. We're looking for crude oil to be a high of 80 probably in the last quarter of this year. And the reason we feel that it's going to do that is because fundamentally uh, oil is is going short in two directions. Canada is keeping more of their oil and gas for their own uses for their shale oil projects and their oil sands projects. 
and and the on the other side of the coin, uh, on the south side, I should say, of the U.S., uh, Mexico's primary Cantarell oil field has been depleting very quickly. They were shocked that it went down as fast as it did, but it's operating at about 50% of where it was, and some are suggesting by the end of the year the, the field could go dry. Now, that's 10% of the crude oil imports to the United States. From Mexico. From Mexico. So that could so, be a very significant uh, supply constraint. Absolutely. The next thing is is that, you know, we've had too much in reserve, and that's kept the prices down. But with these two uh, reserves declining, on both on north and south, uh, we think that oil is going to climb. Uh, also, just for a point of, of reference, uh, the diminished usage of oil this year in the U.S. in the recession has been only 3%. So you look at all these numbers, and we think fundamentally oil has got to go higher. Technically, we had it at $70 about three months ago, two months ago. Uh, one of our friends came up with a higher price. We redid our work. We came up with the same price, so now we're looking at 80 on the futures for fall. Wow, 80 bucks, huh? Yep. And, that, so, and now, Roger, we're in, a, we're in a recession. I mean, it, it doesn't bode bullishly for oil normally, so you're saying the demand is only down 3%? That's what the last report is, okay. yes. All right. All right. Well, you know, that's very, very interesting. We're going to have a, a next guest coming on here who's a deflationist. We'll have to ask uh, Ms. Shedlack what he has to say about that if he agrees with you. But it's very interesting. There, I would also note there's a huge amount of money being pumped into the financial markets right now, into the banks and so forth, that might be available to speculate to cause prices to rise, even if the real global economy is not growing, which it certainly is not at this point in time uh, overall, I would say. You would agree with that, wouldn't you, Roger? Absolutely, Jay. That's a very good point, and that's one of the drivers, we think, of oil speculation and natural gas speculation right now. Natural gas is in oversupply even more than oil. They have found two major fields in Louisiana. The price is around 3 dollars 4 now. One top analyst in, in the Northeast predicts 9 this year. We think that's a little on the extreme side, but it could happen, in fact, if we get inflation. All right. Well, that's down the road, though. We're looking at the next six months to a year, and 80 bucks, the Goldman Sachs says, Roger Wiegand says. Folks, this is very interesting. Maybe there's some money to be made on the upside. We're going to talk to Ms. Shedlack in a minute. Thank you, Roger, for being with us this week, and we'll look to talk to you next week as well. Thanks, Jay. All right. Uh, in my view, the most important issue that investors are facing these days is this issue of whether we're going to face inflation or deflation. And I say that because... Fundamentally, our economy is screwed up. It's screwed up big time because of fiat money. We've gone off the gold standard. We've printed money. We've uh, created debt, more importantly, uh, because what we have now is debt money. It's not real money. It's not asset-based money as a gold-backed system is. So we've piled up huge amounts of debt over the, over the many, many decades, especially since, since Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971, international gold standard at that point in time. I had a, uh, a money manager tell me after a speech I made in New York that she believed this was the most important issue facing her as she picked, you know, she decided what kind of stocks to buy, what kind of investments to make for her clients. And it is important because it has everything to do with what kind of investments we make. If we're facing inflation, and some people are even like, like Walter Williams and others are suggesting hyperinflation, then tangibles of all kind, gold, silver, diamond, diamonds, oil, gas, cars, art objects, even real estate will look good again, no doubt about it, land, you name it. Anything that's tangible that has valuable, that has value that cannot be taken away will do well in an inflation, will at least do better than, than currency. 
If, on the other hand, we're facing deflation, it's a completely different story. If we're heading into a deflationary implosion, which our next guest, Ms. Shedlock, is going to suggest uh, we are heading into, or we are already in, I think Mish is going to say, well, then there's not very many things that really work very well. We know that gold does extremely well. Gold mining did extremely well during the Great Depression, and I believe there's signs that gold mining is coming back big time right now in this deflationary environment. Cash is also good. Federal Reserve notes, I should say, not cash kept in banks but under the mattress. And silver might be all right, too, although I uh, would like to hear what Mish has to say about silver. We're going to ask him if we get a chance. What I would say to you is that this is a very, very important issue. You're going to want to stick around and hear what Mish has to say about um, the inflation-deflation uh, argument and listen to what Mish has to say because I really truthfully believe that this issue of inflation-deflation really is important to your financial survival. We'll be right back with Mish Shedlack. Don't go away. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Business Owners Speak fills a long-neglected niche in the national media coverage of American business. The myriad of challenges and opportunities facing small business owners and entrepreneurs are addressed at ground level in a positive, business-like manner. We face the realities of meeting payroll and being completely dependent upon the success of a business for which we alone are responsible. So loosen your tie, business owner, bring along your own experiences, and log on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. 
Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. Welcome back, and I'm really honored to have Michael Shedlack, better known as Mish, on the Internet. Uh, Mish, uh, welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on the show, Jay. I look forward to it. Thank you. Uh, you've, uh, I've known you from the Chicago Resource Conferences. That's where I've met you in person. And I, and I have to say that I haven't ever met anybody that's more passionate about what they believe than you are. You have really honed in on this deflation call, and frankly, you've been spot on on this thing. Well, thank you very much. I, I am indeed passionate about uh, what I talk about, what, what I write. I think it's important for people to find something that they are passionate about and do. And in fact, in these deflationary times, you know, not even in relationship to the stock market, but just in people's lives in general, people need to find something that, that they like to do and try and do that, regardless of what it pays. We have, you know, too many people uh, in, in jobs they don't even like. They don't like what they're doing. They don't like who they're working for. Uh, you know, all, although it's a tough road to hoe here, um, but but people do need to find something that they like to do. And I, I know you like what you're doing. I certainly enjoy what I'm doing, and I spend a lot of time at it. Uh, sometimes as much as 16 hours a day sure. writing about this stuff, researching it. But uh, passion is important. Well, when you love something, 16 hours a day isn't uh, isn't burdensome. If you're doing something you don't like, it's it's uh, a bit of hell, I suppose. Oh, exactly. Uh, a lot of times I'm up writing a post, a blog. I'm laughing my uh, laughing my head off at at what I'm writing, uh, and so I hope other people find it funny. And and I don't purposely try and be funny, but sometimes I am. Sometimes it's I think it's more educational. Uh, sometimes it's just downright anger at um, what Congress is doing, what Obama is doing, what the Bush administration did. And I'm really disappointed here, actually, in, in the Obama administration. I voted for Ron Paul. I wrote in Ron Paul. But uh, I'm, I'm surprised at how bad some of the uh, picks Obama has made, namely uh, Geithner, Secretary of Treasury, and then some of the things that Obama is doing now that are just like shades of the failed policies of, of FDR that um, kept the uh, U.S. in Great Depression for a lot longer than needed to be. We're repeating some of the same mistakes of the Great Depression. Well, I think you're right, and I hope to get into that a little bit later, uh, the parallels between now and the Great Depression. Mish, but before we do that, I want to tell our listeners that you've had a pretty good record, and actually you're managing money now. Is that right? Uh, um, I'm a, an investment an advisor, advisor rep. 
for Sitka Pacific Capital Management. Uh, we've had uh, a very good year. Our two key strategies, one of them was up 13.7% last year, mm-hmm. and another one was up 6.9% last year. Given the S&P was down 38.5%, I think those are pretty good returns. Uh, as of the end of the first quarter, uh, one of our strategies was uh, up around 9%, and the other one was up around 3 So we're off to a good start here in 2009 as well. And, you know, just looking ahead, Jay, I don't see that this big recovery that everyone thinks we're talking about all this talk of green shoots. Yep. I don't see green shoots. I think the word is overdone. People were excited yesterday that, that uh, Lowe's and Home Depot beat expectations. Well, expectations have been in the gutter, so yeah. so beating expectations was uh, probably not that difficult to do. Right. Banks have reported some earnings that, that I think are fluff, uh, uh, are not going to be repeated. But you can't argue with the market. You know, right yeah. now it wants to go up and um, at least not go down. So, so we'll see. I, I think reality is going to set in. Uh, either later on this month or, or later this summer when when people realize uh, that's it. There, there's really no more coming here out of, out of this uh, stimulus plan. Well, you can't argue with the markets in the short term, uh, Misha. I think, you know, in the longer term, though, it's, it's, I think it's more certain where we're heading personally. But, you know, I want to get into some of these uh, details. I have some, some great questions to ask you, I think. But I, I want you to tell our listeners what your blog site is because you have an excellent blog that people ought to be Ought to be reading, I think. Uh, tell our listeners what that is. It's globaleconomicanalysis.blogspot.com. That is a mouthful to remember. However, uh, Mish is easy to remember. Yeah. M I S H, that's my nickname. And if you just do a Google search for Mish, uh, you'll take you straight to my blog. And I write about uh, stocks, the economy, housing, gold, interest rates, uh, geopolitics, oil. Every day, there's okay. always something new to write about. Okay, absolutely there is. Uh, Mish, you know, before we start talking about deflation, which you are, you know, a clear proponent of deflation, let's get a definition. What is your definition of deflation? What is your definition of inflation? Um, Inflation and deflation are opposites. Inflation is an expanse of money supply and credit. Deflation is the opposite, a contraction in money supply and credit. And in both cases, I do something a little bit different than others do. I, I believe that that credit needs to be marked to market. And that's what we're seeing here now is, is the effect of, of credit being marked to market. Um, banks are undercapitalized. They are reluctant to lend. Consumers don't want to borrow. We've got a huge change in attitudes. And people look at this and they make the mistake, oh, my God, look at how much money the Fed is printing here. Well, the Fed printed on a uh, in the, during the Great Depression, too. It just didn't go anywhere. Now we're seeing the same thing. Uh, the, the, the Fed is printing, but it's sitting at excess reserves on banks. They don't, want, they don't want to lend. Why don't they want to lend? There's no reason to lend. We don't need any more Home Depots. We don't need more Walmarts. We don't need any more Lowe's. We don't need any more nail salons. Jay, I've been asking for three years what it is we need more of. Yeah. And for two of those years, we kept building more Home Depots and Lowe's and, and, and all these retail stores anyway, even though we didn't need them. Starbucks got coffee? Excess capacity everywhere. The, um, and the Fed can print all the money it wants. The Fed could print $5 trillion tomorrow. And if banks didn't lend it, 
It wouldn't go out into the economy. It it wouldn't affect prices. It would be just as if they took the money and buried it in the backyard. Clearly, it's not going to do anything. So, in, uh, but we've got all the inflationists out there saying, "Oh my God! Well, at some point in the future." Yeah. Okay, well, when is that point in the future? Yeah. You know, the, Japan's been doing this for for close to a decade and a half here, two decades even, uh, and uh, they're still mired in deflation. I think at some point, Jay, deflation is going to end. It, it is. We're in it now. That's what's clear. And uh, so everyone was wrong. Everyone that said that this would never happen, they've already been wrong. Yeah. Now, I'm looking ahead, and, and you know now I'm hearing them say, well, it's just a matter of time, hyperinflation, blah, blah, blah. Jay, I don't see it that way. Yeah, okay. Uh, once this destruction of credit that must take place does take place, once that happens and, and these debts are written off, we, we are going to go back into a period of inflation. But we need to figure out what kind of inflation that is. And uh, certainly I don't think inflation is uh, going to go soaring back to the moon as, as everyone else does. The Too many trillions of dollars have been uh, written off right now. Uh, attitudes have changed, and attitudes are key. We've got mm-hmm. boomers heading into retirement who thought the stock market was going to be uh, their retirement plan. They thought that housing was going to be their uh, retirement plan. And what we're finding instead is that neither of them are their retirement plan, so instead they're going to have to work for yeah. a lot longer than what they expected they had to work. Yeah. And we we're seeing boomers in a position where they have to compete with their kids and grandkids for jobs since they don't have an, they didn't have enough savings for retirement now they need to get a job so what are they going to do they're going to go work at Walmart uh, for for a low wage, and why is Walmart going to hire them? Walmart's going to hire them because they're 62, they're on Medicaid, so uh, Walmart doesn't have to fund their uh, health care costs. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we've got Obama uh, uh, attempting to tax everyone and and uh, uh, to give health insurance to everyone. All of these things come out of of real savings. They come out of income that would that would normally go, be going to to uh, people. We're seeing the biggest socialist startup in, in, in history, and, and all of that is going to have a detrimental effect on uh, people's ability to spend and boomers' re- uh, attitudes towards retirement. And one more thing about uh, the boomers that are retiring here, Jay, mm-hmm. because we're going to see more of their income not going to the uh, kinds of things that that really spurred the economy, uh, buying the toys, the cars, the boats. Yeah. We're seeing a downsizing of all of those things. They're, they're going to be spending more money on, on l- l- lower multiplier kinds of things like health care, taxes, fees, um, maintenance on the, on their house, as opposed to buying new cars, new toys, new boats, and doing a lot of the traveling that they thought they would do. Okay, could you explain what you mean by a lower multiple? Um, the uh, just the the multiplier effect is what we're talking about. Everyone's talking about this. Uh, we're hearing a lot of it from Krugman. How the 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 government's going to go out there and uh, uh, spur all of this economic activity that's going to be self sustaining. 
I don't see it. I think, in fact, I think a lot of the things that the government's going to do are going to have a negative multiplier. Mm-hmm. The uh, take Japan for instance. In in an in an effort to stimulate their economy, they started building roads and bridges to nowhere. Right. Well, if there was a, a legitimate need to build those roads and and bridges, well, then economic activity you know might have sprouted up around that. The market instead, would have driven it they, rather they than these, the policymakers. They built these roads and bridges to nowhere, so you know the money once spent didn't stimulate anything. There was no multiplier effect going forward, and the same thing. And we're not going to get a multiplier or much of a multiplier effect if 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 people are spending more and more of their income on fees. I'm look at all of these uh, red lights. You know, uh, people, uh, at intersections, they're putting up all these photo things to uh, catch people running red lights, to to raise fees for government. You know, three hundred bucks a pop for running a red light. All of that's unproductive. It's taking three hundred bucks out of out of someone's uh, uh, disposable pocket. income pocket. Exactly, and giving it to the government, who's who's going to waste it on a bunch, paying a bunch of bureaucrats to monitor these things. So you know, none of these things. Things are going to stimulate the the real economy, which is you know product uh, production, you know, rather than than all of these things that we're trying to do to quote stimulate to get the economy going. I, I think that some of these economists looking back are going to be shocked at how low you know the multiplier is going to be on some of these projects that they think is going to produce this big benefit. You know, uh, take Obama's. Um, uh, plan to go into all the schools and make them more energy efficient, uh, and that's not going to do anything for the real economy going forward. We're going to go in, we're going to make all these improvements, a one-time shot. It, it, what did that do for uh, um, needed productivity, production capacity here in the United States? Absolutely nothing. So uh, we're going to see... Uh, a low multiplier effect, not a high one, as a result of the government coming in, attempting to stimulate the economy. It okay. doesn't know how to spend this money uh, effectively, and so much of it's going to be wasted. I agree with you, Mish. We need a market-driven economy, and we're getting away from that. You mentioned a little while ago that we are already in deflation. Could you give us the evidence of that? Oh, my gosh. The evidence, just compare the conditions right now to, say, uh, 1930 in, um, in the Great Depression. At the start of the Great Depression, we're seeing a uh, contraction in consumer credit. We're seeing a uh, interest rates. Well, they're starting to rise back now. We'll see how long that lasts. But certainly, uh, long-term interest rates are still at at all time lows, ignoring yeah. the 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 bottom in in December, we're seeing um, banks fail at a pretty sizable rate here. We've had 58 failures, I think, in the last two years. 33 this year. We're going to be seeing more bank failures. We're seeing uh, or have seen a uh, corporate debt yields soar. Again, they're coming back now, now, but we saw the same thing happen in the Great Depression where we had this false hope 
uh, after the 1929 crash, there was there was a temporary rebound. I think we're going through a similar period right now. Prosperity is right around the corner. We were told, or our grandparents yes, were told pro- at that time, and now we're getting green shoots. Prosperity though. around every corner, but uh, we have green shoots now. Jobs. We're losing jobs at the fastest rate since the Great Depression. We've never seen anything like the destruction of jobs that's going on right now. Five hundred thousand jobs a month for the last mm-hmm. seven months. We've lost. I don't see any end end to that in, in sight. The uh, we had a uh, commodities crash. It's we're now rebounding here now a little bit. But all in all, I outlined something like 16 conditions uh, on my blog, and every one of them is very similar to what happened during the Great Depression, including, ironically, soaring money supply. Money supply had been growing at a very, very, very steady rate over the last 20 years. In time, that base money supply, all of a sudden, it's exploded now uh, as the Fed is fighting de- deflation, and it also exploded on a percentage wise basis during the Great Depression. What okay. we've done here now though is we've gone an order or two magnitudes beyond an order of magnitude, I think, beyond what the Fed did do in the Great Depression. So okay. we are yes. seeing that, that... an an unprecedented expanse of money but it's just sitting there at banks. Okay, Mish, I want to lending. get to that now because you know you're mentioning this this base amount of money. The Fed is putting in money into the banks, but the banks are not lending it out. I would like to get to your to a discussion of your money mathematics, I believe, or mathematical model that really introduces some things that people don't commonly think about it as as being very very important. For example, velocity. It goes to what you were talking about earlier. This whole notion of psychology changing, behavior changing. People are afraid to spend, and so they withhold, they save, they put the money under the mattress. You have, um, you, you know, that's, that's actually a good thing, credit. by the way. You you, even though lend people are saving money, that's a good thing. The the it takes savings to. Uh, foster genuine investment. Otherwise, all we're doing is, is printing money. We're robbing future taxpayers, someone who has to pay the bill for, for, for all of this expansion. And worst off, the government overpays for the services that it, it delivers, underdelivers the services actually in terms of what's needed. So we're, we're robbing the future to prevent this um, deleveraging that must, that will take place regardless of how much the Fed tries to stop it. And the harder they fight it, the more and more we start to look like the two lost decades in Japan. And I talked about that actually today on a blog. I looked at the effect of household household deleveraging of debt on housing, on consumption, and on the stock market. The picture is not pretty, Jay. Well, in fact, what happens, and we saw it in the 1930s, I believe, uh, which leads me to another question. We saw in the 1930s efforts, as you noted earlier, to pump money into the system to try to overcome the debt at that time, the credit uh, problems that we had at that time. We're seeing it now, and really all that it had, all it did in the 1930s, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but it really just perpetuated the downturn. It, 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 it caused the market... It did not allow the market to cleanse itself to work the debts off the books, and so we could get back to a growth period. Are you seeing the same thing now? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's it's easier to see and understand just by going turning the time back nine years to uh, actually less than that to the Greenspan Fed in in two thousand two two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Greenspan. 
uh, slashed interest rates to 1% uh, at the time, and the reason why he did it was to bail out his banking buddies, who at the time were in hock with uh, loans to Latin America that couldn't be repaid, and they had made all kinds of loans to dot-com companies that were blowing up that also weren't going to be re- repaid. So in, other, it, it, so in order to bail out the banks who were in trouble in those two areas, Greenspan put his foot on the gas and uh, caught interest rates to 1%. That fueled the biggest housing bubble, not only that the U.S. had seen, but the world had seen. Uh, uh, other countries did exactly the same thing. I guess if it's good enough for Greenspan, it's good enough for the world. So uh, all the central bankers essentially made the same mistake. They, they didn't see this enormous rise in debt as, as being unsustainable. And ultimately, debt... It's that 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 is going to every time cause deflation. The, the uh, this is a completely different situation than the Weimar Republic of Germany or Aust- uh, uh, I want to say uh, Australia. I mean Argentina. Finally, yeah. uh, that that those countries did. Uh, we're just massively turning on the printing press to buy stuff. In the U.S., we've got a debt overhang. It's that debt overhang, that debt that can't be paid back. As, as much as Greenspan and Bernanke want to do, we've got a problem here. We've got consumer debt. The Fed's not just going to print money and give it to consumers. They, they printed money and gave it to the banks, but that did not cure the debt overhang on consumers. Consumers are still deep in debt on their houses. They're still deep in debt on their credit card uh, debt. We're seeing unemployment rise to the tune of 500000 a month. At some point, that's going to slow down. But even losing 200,000 jobs a month is a disaster. Yeah, we need a growth of about 500,000 or 300,000 or so to keep, you know, in good times, in normal times. You need um, about 100 to 150,000 to keep up with immigration mm-hmm. and the birth rate. So uh, e- even if we just stable off and and have flat jobs for a year, th- that's that's not keeping up with with where we need to be just to have. Uh, Actually, just to have an anemic recovery. So we're, we're still miles away from an anemic recovery. Everyone's looking at the second derivative, Jay, and, yeah. and by that I mean that, that things are... Are not as bad as they were. Uh, things are not getting worse, worse yeah. at the same at, a, at, a, at an increasing rate. Yeah. So things are still getting worse. Yeah. They're just getting worse at a less, at a less rate, not as, not as fast as they had been. Yeah. Th- that's the second derivative. The, the first derivative is things are actually improving. When, when we're looking at a situation here where we're losing you know, 500,000, 700,000 jobs, then we went to 500,000 jobs, and everyone cheered, the stock yeah. market cheered. 70,000 of those jobs, Jay, were U.S. government jobs. Yeah. The last place we need to be correct. Creating jobs actually is, is the U.S. government very very inefficient when you're creating government jobs, and um, most of those are a one-time shot. By the way, that that, that had to do with with pre-planning of of next year's uh, uh, stimulus, 
that, that Obama wants to do, and also as a result of some census takers that, that they're out or conducting another national census. So we're seeing a temporary influx of, of these jobs related to, to census and, and looking ahead, planning, uh, you know, uh, how we're going to waste taxpayer money next year. Okay, it, Mish, I've got to ask another question because go we don't have that from, much time left here. I, I want to get to this one. Is, would it not be possible, you mentioned that they're pumping money into the banks and the banks are not lending it out. Okay, so through the credit system, we're not able to expand, we're not able to grow because of these of these systemic problems of, of enormous amounts of indebtedness and people are broke. I mean, let's face it, we're broke. We're basically a bankrupt nation now. Consumers are bankrupt and government's bankrupt. You know, big banks are bankrupt. Is it not possible? And, you know, uh, we've had Dr. Uh, Robert McHugh on here who's who's warning us of a nation-changing cataclysmic event he, he foresees coming later in this year unless, he says, unless government literally writes out big checks to every man, woman, child, cat, and dog in America. Would it not be possible that that could be done? Could it? I mean, and Congressman Paul told me when we talked to him, he says, well, we have things in place now that we didn't have in the, in the Great Depression. We can channel money to individuals you know, through the IRS system, we can just we can just write million dollar checks out and give it to everybody. Could they not do that? And no, they, no, we couldn't do that. The the first off, even if uh, I don't think they can do that. The 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 Fed can play all kinds of games, but um, uh, essentially what they're doing is is or had been doing is is swapping bad collateral for good and pretending that it's good. The Fed really can't provide capital. The, it takes but Congress it can print money though, Mish. It could print money and give everybody checks. Could they it can't. It can't. It cannot do that. Why? It cannot. There's no authority for them to do that. Now, obviously, yeah, but, you know, the but, Fed's but, done a lot but, of I mean, things but, I mean, on which there was no authority. But, but, but handing out money is, is something that, that they cannot do. Now, Congress can, bear in yeah, mind. So right. Congress can. The Fed can. It's important. Okay. It's a very, very important distinction. But the Congress can tell the Fed to go ahead and do it. They can they can they can approve a bill and have the Fed do right, that, right. but that's a completely different thing right. than saying the Fed can just hand out money. Okay, but, it, but now it, we're it, seeing it's important, Jay. It's hypothetically, the, the, it's hypothetically possible. Increasing resistance in Congress towards more bailouts yeah, and I more understand. printing of money and more giving away things. We're, we're, we're starting to see increased resistance, yeah. in, you know, not just from Republicans but from, but from Democrats. Political see, resistance to it. Okay, Mish, uh, you know, we only got two minutes here, and I want to get to a couple of these other things. I mean, we could go on for an hour and probably should have created more time here for you because uh, this, is, this is very, very important stuff. But I, I just want to ask you on some practical aspects here in terms of investing. Where should people be putting their money right now? Oh my gosh! Um, I like gold, of course, Jay. Mm -hmm. The the oh, actually, I don't think anyone should be doing any investing at all as, until they have at least a year's worth of of already saved in the bank, saved up in case they lose their job. People need to be concerned about the loss of a job. We're losing jobs at a massive rate. Before they do any investing whatsoever, I think they, they need to have that cash cushion saved up so they don't lose their house. So we're talking need... cash and gold to start with here. Yeah, uh, I like cash and gold to start with here, certainly. Cash and, in the bank and or cash in the masses? That, I don't see... The, 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 
think the stock market's going to go somewhere, or excuse me, go nowhere, but nowhere in an interesting way. I think we, you know, we might see, you know, a, a bit more of a rally here. Then the S&P falls, falls back to 700, rallies to 900, falls back to 800, goes, rises to 850. And, and, and lo and behold, you know, we've, we spent another five years going nowhere, but in an interesting way. And Jay, that's actually my good scenario because my bad scenario says th- that the S&P is going to fall to something like 500 first. So, you know, those are the two scenarios. We've seen insurance companies, you know, promise annuities, you know, six, seven percent. They're not going to be able to pay those. We've got a, a crisis in pension plans. My gosh, we could talk about the crisis in pension plans and CalPERS, the California uh, uh, pension plan. Just All right, Mish, we're running out of time here, but folks, New Jersey uh, is a disaster. Uh, your, Illinois is a disaster. Again. Jay, we're going to need to come back on. And we're going to need. Tell us things. the website again so people can get. Globaleconomicanalysis.blogspot.com. Do a Google search for Mish. You'll find me. Jay, I hope we can come back. We love. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mish. Very good. Uh, We'll have to have you back sometime because this is very, very important stuff. Folks, don't go away. We're going to have Lena Monasaridis with us just to tell us uh, what's going on in Europe. Don't go away. We'll be right back. markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. 
I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. Welcome back. I'm here with Lena Monasaridis from Athens, Greece. Uh, Lena, welcome. Hello, Jay. Um, great to be back. Hey, we're hearing uh, a lot about green shoots here in the, in the U.S. You know, we've got a beautiful spring day here in New York. The flowers <laughs> are out. The grass is green. Bernanke is talking about green shoots. Everybody on Wall Street, Bloomberg, uh, CNBC, green shoots everywhere. My goodness, life is good again, and it's going to be good in the economy too. That's the implication, obviously. Are you uh, seeing the same thing? Are people feeling the same way in Europe as spring is uh, is on its way? I think green shoots are everywhere, Jay. I mean, they're over in the U.S. They're here in uh, Europe. I'm sure the only people who don't feel it probably is Japan because, you know, I think the situation is uh, currently bad in Japan and they haven't actually felt any green shoots yet. However, um, what I wanted to say is that uh, we see markets trading with uh, a lot of emotions lately as well, as I, as I said last week. Um, people are happy one day, traders are happy one day, so therefore we see stocks rising. And the next day something comes up like a bad number. For example, today, let me remind you and all our listeners that we had bad housing data out of U.S., and therefore that made uh, Dow Jones fall uh, early your, uh, New York session. Mm-hmm. Now it's beat up again. However, the, the um, trading uh, field is mixed, yeah. and we see that these green shoots come and go, and there is um, optimism that becomes um, clear every now and then that maybe the worst is over, and maybe we are on the way to recovery. However, if you notice, I'm using a maybe, because I, for sure, am not convinced yet. You're not seeing it in the data. Is that it? Um. We see a lot of good numbers. Um, for example, today we saw better than expected numbers out of Germany. We have the ZEU numbers, which means that this is the, um, uh, how the businesses feel in Germany about the economy and the recovery, and we saw good numbers. However, it's all about the, the sentiment. It's actually the way business feel about the economy. And don't forget that lately we have all U.S. and European officials saying, so good things about the future, yeah. that everything is fine and, you know, b- better um, situations are coming and that the recovery is on its way. And so it's about how people present things. For example, the president himself, Obama, said uh, two days ago, I believe, that uh, we are on the way to recovery and uh, the situation is improving day by day. However, what we see still is bad numbers. Today is an example. We had bad numbers out of U.S. again. The housing sector is not recovering. The employment sector is not recovering because last week we saw bad payroll numbers. Yeah. Well, we heard the same thing, not we. I mean, I'm not that old, Lena, uh, but my (laughs) grandparents and my parents heard the saying back in the 1930s that prosperity is right around the corner. It's a bit of a spin job. I think now they've, they've, they've really gotten a little better at their promotion and their uh, propaganda because they use picture images like green shoots, you know. Uh, exactly. It's not just words anymore, but we've got this sort of touchy feeling, that touchy good feeling that life is really good 
everything is coming around real good because everything is green again. I mean, it's sort of clever the way they do this, the way they program us to think that everything is fine again. But, you know, you're talking about Germany, some good numbers out of Germany. I saw some numbers last week that suggested the exports from Germany are falling off a cliff, and Germany is a huge exporting nation. Exactly. This is my proof. This is exactly what I mean, that actual numbers are not good yet. However, the numbers that create the whole sentiment and the way people feel in Europe are rising. And therefore, because markets at the moment feel the need to look beyond the recession, right, because they need to feel that something is coming, something good is coming. So they're trading with sentiment and not with real economic data. And that is why I said today to traders in my article that we have to beware the, the false prophets because this is how it's going to happen. We have optimism. We have uh, smiles, as you said, in front of the camera by all officials that the green shoots are real and that the economy is performing better. However, what I told you before, Jay, if markets realize that all this happening now, all this optimism is fake, then the market will make them pay with another collapse. And therefore, that's why I say beware of the false profits. Well, I think that's good warning. Uh, you know, really, uh, looking back at, at major market downturns in the past, you don't get V-shaped recoveries. And this would be a V-shaped recovery. I mean, we had this plunge, and now it's back up a lot. You, you, normally, when you have these secular bear markets, you have two, three, four, five, six, seven years of people just distraught, never wanting to get back in. You have the real capitulation. People get give up on stocks, and, and if you try mm -hmm. to suggest that they should buy them, they get mad as heck at you. I mean, that's really what happens. I mean, I'm old enough, you're not, Lena, to remember the 1980s, 1980, 81, 82, that time frame. You told people to buy stocks, they would tell you where to go, and it, you know, and it wasn't a nice place. Absolutely. I, I can imagine that, for sure. So we're not psychologically, in my view, we're not there yet. Having said that, though, I would just say that markets – though, perceive the future. So we want to keep an open mind, I think, because if we were to break some key levels in the, in the equity mm -hmm. markets, maybe we'd be off to some, maybe, maybe we'd have to change our minds. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Of course, it's all about the breakouts. At the moment, we are looking at the euro, we are looking at the oil and the gold, and it seems that we are still in a bearish market. However, there is rallies now that occur since last week, and especially in oil. I've got, I, I have to agree with Roger Regan that I can see it rising as well in the coming months, and it's all about having to hold the important levels of 50, for example, which is a very good level for oil, and as long as it holds it, we can see more rise um, happening in the next coming weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's also the feel that I've got personally that, we can see market rallies happening from now until the summer and maybe the fall. However, it's what happens next. It's what happens after the recent rallies that we see. And if the rallies that we're experiencing now are temporaries. And in my view, Jay, I don't want to be pessimistic. I told you before. Yeah. However, I feel that if things don't stabilize in the U.S. economy, uh, with all the inflation uh, and deflation danger that you talked about in the show today, mm -hmm. I don't think that this rally will occur for more than four or five months. Okay, I well, thank you, Lena. I have to cut of you off because we're out of time. We could go on and on, no doubt about it. Thank you for your insights, and we'll look to talk to you next week as well. Uh, folks, sure. uh, I, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to give you a stock pick of my own here. Chen gave you his. Hawthorne Gold, HWTHF, at 27 cents. I bought some personally today. I think this is a huge buy. If you subscribe to my letter, you'll understand why I say that. But check it out. 
Uh, next week, we're going to have Chris Powell of the uh, Gold Antitrust Action Committee on with us, and he'll give you reasons to believe that the gold markets are, are less than pure, that they have been manipulated by by the policymakers, uh, but never mind, uh, ultimately, the markets prevail over the policymakers. But you're not going to want to miss Chris Powell next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.